This morning we're going to dig into God's word uh, through Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you'll turn with me there as we'll uh, walk our way through the text, hearing uh, this holy calling of God for, uh, for the people of God as they are preparing to enter into that God's promise. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together, the people of God, hear the word of the Lord. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on, your door, on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells that you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and indeed in its hearing. So we give thanks together as the people of God. For his word. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, you are astounding and wondrous. And your word uh, inspires and compels and convicts. And so we gather around your word and we ask, oh God, that you would open our eyes that we would see you more clearly. Open our ears that we would hear what you have for us this day. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word in a new and fresh way. Our hearts that we would feel its power in our lives. And then, oh God, we ask that you would open our hands, that we would then offer grace to the world. We pray this as the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I was out and about a lot yesterday, and I feel like maybe you were too. If you were in Walmart, H-E-B, Kroger, Home Depot, or Lowe's yesterday, raise your hand. That's about what I expected. Uh, 75% plus of those in the room were out yesterday. Something about weather, I heard. Like, they're, like uh, we all opened our phone yesterday morning, we touched the little weather button, and the weather said, Monday, low, seven degrees. 
<laughs> now, now, since then, obviously, the meteorologists have backed off. You know, they've doubled it to 14. So we could all breathe a huge sigh of relief. It's only going to be a Texas 14-degree Monday. Uh, but we, we saw that in our phones, and we all thought, oh, we should probably prepare. Uh, because we are not prepared. Some of you are from further up north, and this is your first winter in Texas. Welcome to Texas. You wonder why we are not prepared? Because this doesn't happen often. Uh, it just doesn't. I mean, we could remember together when it has happened. I remember in 93, 94, there was an ice storm, crazy ice storm that came through South Texas, knocked power out all across the South. Uh, all the trees were weighted down with ice and just snapped, power lines snapped, power poles snapped. It was, it was, it was crazy, and it wasn't snow. It wasn't, be- well, it was kind of beautiful. It was beautiful in a, an odd sort of a way, but like we didn't go out and make snow angels or make snowmen. We went and we kicked fences, like chain link fences, to see how much ice we could knock off of them. Like we, we went and, and we found gutters where like huge icicles were and we knocked them off and we licked them because we were intelligent. Uh, this is what Texas, I mean, we remember these things because it doesn't happen often. We remember, uh, it, what was it, 2004 or something like that when Galveston had snow on Christmas Y'all remember that? I wasn't in Galveston, but I was in Dallas, and I was watching, uh, I was watching the, the, the news feed of Galveston like, no way, absolutely, snowmen on the beach in Galveston. We remember because it's a, a rare occurrence. It, it's, it's shocking or surprising. So I hope that all of you, if we do indeed get five to eight inches of snow tonight, which seems like another mistake by the meteorologist, but we shall see. If we do, I hope that you'll make memories tomorrow. Because so much about life is what we remember. Those treasured experiences that we carry with us from season to season, from year to year, across the course of life. And what we forget also matters as well. There's a clear threat for us, the people of God, uh, articulated by God in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. It is at the very end of what we read, and, and it, it should startle us and catch our attention, awaken us to maybe pay more attention to what preceded it because of how grave this threat really is. It says, be careful, you people of God, that you do not forget the Lord. Be careful... That you do not forget the Lord. And some of you might initially have a visceral response to that. Something kind of twisting in your gut that, that says, how could that happen? I can't forget the Lord. The Lord is a part of who I am. The Lord is working in me and through me by the power of the Spirit. The, the Lord is present in my life in such a profound way. How could I forget the Lord? If it wasn't a necessary uh, uh, caution that the Lord would give us, it wouldn't be accounted in Scripture. But it is. It's clear. Don't forget the Lord. I mean, that's an that's a, that's a intentional pursuit that seems to be required for us there. 
Like, like we're, we're, we're to, to drive after our relationship with God with such intentional focus that we would not forget. Because we do forget things. We forget things all the time. We forget to, to call our mom and tell her we love her. And when we finally do, we realize how long it's been. And we wonder how we could have forgotten. That doesn't seem to make any sense or to be reasonable at all. And yet it happens. We forget our keys and our wallets, our phones. We forget our, our, our anniversaries. Except for the men. None of the men here have ever forgotten an anniversary. We, we, we forget uh, important occasions. We're reminded of them. And all of a sudden it comes back to a heightened sense of import, importance for us. And we begin to question, how did we ever forget in the first place? Be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Well, this, this text, particularly verse 4 and following through verse 5, is known in the Jewish tradition as the Shema. This is a key ordinance decree uh, that, that is carried with the people of God as that reminder, this, this thing that will help us to remember and actually what it is we are to remember. We're coming out of the chapter where, where God has provided the Ten Commandments to the people of God and out of the commandments now we have these two decrees. Two decrees that are to be remembered. It begins in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In other words, there is only one God, and He is our God. There, there is no other. And, and now you can start to, to understand why this might be something that we forget because we can relate to the fact that all too often we seem to acknowledge or to live as though there are other gods than the one and only God. And it's described in this text what the people of God might, might experience when they enter into God's promise. When they enter into God's bounty as they cross the river Jordan and enter into the promised land. In verse 10 and following it lays out, hey you're going you're gonna to move into flourishing cities. You didn't build them. You're going to live in houses full of awesome stuff that you didn't provide. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig. You're going to eat from groves and vineyards that you did not plant. And then here's what's going to happen. You're going to eat and you're going to be satisfied. And you're going to think that you have all this awesome stuff. And you're going to think you did something. And maybe by horrific chance you begin to consider yourself as God. Alongside of or over and above the one true God. At first blush, when reading verse 4 of the Shema, we wonder why is this even necessary to declare obviously we believe that there is one God, three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. There is one God, one alone. 
but yet we require reminding and we must remember it with such intentional ferocity that we would never allow any other idol to come up alongside of or in place of God. The second decree that is given in the Shema is in verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love God. If God is one, if there is only one God and he is your God, obviously you should love him. Obviously we should offer our whole selves to God and not just a part or a portion, but all, 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 three times stated, all heart, all soul, all strength. And for many of us, the, the, the heart part and the strength part seems to resonate because we could get that. We, we, we might have had a human experience of love uh, where we gave our whole heart to someone, where we can experience vulnerability, where we can experience heartbreak, where we can pour our, our whole emotional self into a relationship. And that sort of heart love can be reflected Upon such that we can understand what it means to love God with our whole heart, our whole strength, all of our strength, that that we would give all of our energy, uh, that that we would produce, that we would provide, that we would care for with such intentionality that 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 loving relationship would be preserved and honored in an intentional way. Those are things that we more commonly are able to relate to, loving with heart, loving with strength. So I want to pause a moment and be sure that we take account for what it means to love God with our whole, with all of our soul. A few years ago, I began asking a question amongst the people of covenant. Some of you have heard me ask this question in meetings or in gatherings of small groups. And I remember the first time I asked this question I, I had to have that disciplined, quiet uh, teacher moment, right? Sometimes as a teacher, it's not just when you speak, but it's when you don't speak, right? So I, I drop the question, how is it with your soul? And I paused. And then I restated, how is it with your soul? And I waited. And sometimes it's in that space of waiting that we can best understand what it means to love God with all of our soul. How is it with your soul? And when you wait long enough for all of the ancillary distractions of life to fade away. How is it with your soul? And you let all of the things to do and the work to account for to fall into a faded backdrop. How is it with your soul? And you create space for all of the posturing and bravado, the fake accounts for what life is or the way you're presenting it to be get 
peeled away, you can find that tender space, soul. The authentic God image within each and every one of us. that is so deeply connected with who God is, we could say, I am devoting my entire spiritual being to God without any distraction or any diversion, simply devoted to God. So now maybe we can sit back and hear this again. There is only one God, God alone, that is it. Decree number one. Number two, ordinance, command. Love that God. Love that God with all that you are and all that you have, with your whole heart, with your whole strength, and also with all of your soul, so that your whole being is poured out to God day by day, moment by moment, fully and intentionally connected and devoted to God. This is our pursuit. This is what we are called to do. And, and there's even a, a so that, there's, there's a purpose, there's an outcome that is being driven towards and, and it's lined out for us in what precedes the Shema. Beginning in verse 2, God says, hey, I'm giving you these commands, I'm giving you these ordinances, both the Ten Commandments and, uh, and the Shema. I'm providing these for you for a purpose, verse 2, so that you, your children, children after them may. So, so, so generations, so the people of God, all of us will, so that we will. Fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands. I'm giving you these things for the purpose, for the intentional reason of, a, of creating space for you, for us to fear God by obedience. There, there, there are more words kind of covering that sentence, but if we were to narrow it down and drop the clauses and just get to the, to the core meat of the matter, this is so that we would fear God by obedience. And, and I, I think that fear is, is a, key, uh, a, a key element of what it means to have reverence for God. And in a couple of weeks, I'm really excited about a passage that the Lord has led us to as we enter into a Lenten series uh, we're talking about what Christ calls us to, to fear God, not only fear God, but to fear Christ, which we oftentimes uh, lack a fear of, and he talks about why and what that means. And so we're going to dig into that more in a couple of weeks, but you could hear in this text that the purpose of the provision of laws and ordinance isn't just so God can have some some control or some domination uh, over his people, but it's so that we would have a fearful relationship with God, one that has reverence and honor such that we would be moved into a posture of obedience. And then what happens? You've heard me say this before, people of God, that, that whenever you see the words so that in Scripture, underline them, circle them, highlight them, like it should startle you just enough so that you will dig a little bit deeper and take those next few steps into the text. The end of verse, uh, verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3 orient two more layers to that. 
Uh, this is all so that you, you want to fear God in obedience so that you will enjoy a long life. So that you will enjoy a long life. And, hero Israel, be careful to obey. A restating of what was previously said. Fear in obedience. So now, be obedient. In verse 3, it continues. So that you will enjoy a long life and it will go well with you and you may increase greatly. These are the three natural outcomes of what it means to Fear the Lord in obedience by declaring that he is God alone, living as such, and loving God with your whole heart, that you would enjoy a long life, it will go well with you, and you will increase greatly. As, as Zachary has, Pastor Zach has stated this, by the way, sometimes I call him Zachary, sometimes I call him Zacharias, some, I just make up like roots of Zach. Uh, in meetings, so I, I don't even know what his real name is. I don't know if it's anything other than Zach, but uh, he has named this sermon Live Long and Prosper. <laughs> and he points to the promise of God that we will enjoy a long life, that it will go well with us, and we will increase greatly through fearful obedience to God's decrees, commands, and ordinances. But we have to be careful to not forget the Lord. It is so easy to forget. I mean, think about uh, your time back in, 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 in your school years or, or maybe uh, even uh, some, some different uh, 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 assignments that you've had in your work life where you've had to remember certain things. And, and I don't know about you, but I always have, have attempted to find some sort of like word association or some sort of song or some sort of like rhythm to be able to appropriate so that I could remember some things. I, I work with my kids as they're memorizing their spelling for their spelling test or as they're working through different uh, math equations you know, you get the formulas, and you got to remember the formulas. I'm, I'm not talking about the, the teachers that just, like, post them on the wall, so it's like cheating. All the kids can just look on the wall, and they have the formulas. I'm talking about, like, the teachers that require you to remember the formulas. You know the quadratic equation? X equals minus B plus or minus a square root of B squared minus 4AC all over 2A. I almost got that right, I think. Yeah, oh, good. I got a teacher thumbs up. So, um, so like, like, all of those sorts of tools are there for, for a purpose, so that you would remember. And I love what God does for us here. God doesn't uh, give us the, the, the purpose of, of the ordinance, decree, and command. He doesn't just give us the decree and the command, but he then says, I want you to remember this. I don't want you to forget me. I want you to be intentional about this, and I'm going to give you don't forget tools. So we're going to dig in just for a couple of moments about in the don't forget tools. Are you ready? So this is in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. These commands I give you today are to be on your hearts. So I want you to feel how important they are. And after you do that, here are the three kind of classifications of the don't forget tools. Number one, talk about it. Talk about God being God and talk about your love for God, your loving relationship with God, the ways you experience God's love and the way that you offer God love. Talk about it. 
It says, talk about it in these ways. Talk about it with your kids. Talk about it when you're sitting around at home. Talk about it when you are laying down. And when you're getting up, talk about God. I mean, this, is, this seems kind of simple. The more you talk about something, the more you're actually likely to do it. It's like that, that classic tool that the, the guy decides he's going to go run a marathon. What's the first thing you do whenever you sign up for a marathon? You tell people about it. Because if you tell people about it, you're more likely to actually go and run the marathon. If you don't tell anyone, then by the time it gets to marathon time, you're going to back out. Because no one ever knew anyway, so it didn't even matter. Right? Uh, that's what happens. If you want to be doing something, you talk about it. How often do we talk to our kids about God? I mean, I know that, that we just sent our kids so that Patricia can talk to them about God. Like, that's good. We've just outsourced the issue. We, we, we've, like, said, okay, you take care of my kids' Christianity. How often do we talk to our kids about God? I know we talk to them about how they're doing in school. Are they being, are they being respectful to their teachers? Who do you play with on the playground? We talk to our kids when they get older about who they're interested in, what, what guys and girls they have their eyes for, right? We, we talk to them about who they hung out with, what they're doing. Are you doing anything you don't need to be doing? Like we talk to them about these things, but do we talk to them about God? Maybe that's a good starting point. It's tool number one that God gives us. Talk about him to others. I mean, when you sit at home, I mean, you got your spot at home. Like everybody has like their, their, their spot, like their chair or their couch, like the little nook in the couch that fits just you and no one dares sit there because they know that that's your spot. Or, or maybe when you, when you get at the dinner table, everybody has a seat. This is where, this is where Addie sits. This is where Aiden sits. This is where Sam sits. This is where mom sits. This is where dad sits. We all have our seats and you dare not sit there. What, what if when, when you sit in those spots, what are you doing? You're eating, you're watching TV, you're vegging, you're on your phone, right? Like you're doing your thing. What if instead you talked about God when you're sitting there? When you lay down, when you, when you rise, last thing you talk about before you go to bed, first thing you talk about in the morning. Some of y'all are like, I don't talk about anything in the morning. I need, I need 30 minutes and three cups of coffee before I talk. Well, maybe you only need to utter just a few words, I love you, God. And that could be the reminder you need for the day. So number one, don't forget tool, talk about God. Talk about your love for God. Talk about God's love for you. Talk about it. Number two, number two is to give yourself personal reminders, right? Uh, it's, it's the sticky note principle. Uh, have you seen someone that, that knows that they're going to brush the teeth in the morning and they put a sticky note on the mirror so that they don't forget that? Maybe you've gotten one of those little white erase markers and, and, and you've had your kid or, or you've uh, written a Bible verse or a reminder for the day and you put it up there. How can we give personal reminders for ourselves? The two personal reminders that God establishes for the people of Israel is, is, to, is, to, uh, is on your hand. Uh, tie a symbol on your hand and bind it on your forehead. You'll maybe remember seeing an Orthodox Jew that has a box that is strapped or tied to their head or around their hat on the front. In that is contained the Shema so that they would remember it. And every time they see themselves in the mirror, that reflection, they remember that's a personal reminder. What personal reminders do you have or could you have? Do you wear a cross on a necklace so every time you see an image of yourself, you're reminded of the sacrifice we have in our Savior Jesus Christ? I have friends that have 
found that tied on your hand and they've put symbols of crosses or the word grace or an ichthus of some sort on their wrist, taking very seriously what it means to have a personal reminder. What are your personal reminders? Some of you carry a, a cross in your pocket that you could pull out or in a meeting you could put your hand in your pocket and you can be reminded that God is in control. Jesus still saves. Personal reminders are critical. God has established it as a way in which we can stay connected with him, a way in which we can fear and obey and live out these two ordinances to establish that God is one and that our love is his. The third tool, the don't forget tool that God establishes is maybe a little more difficult for us, something that we do a little less often. It's, it's have a testimony of sorts out in the world. There are three ways that this happens. The first is back in the talk about it section. Most of the talk about it that we just, that we just uh, kind of laid out was all like in your home, in your family, in your kind of in your setting, in your personal setting. But then one, one thing that's inserted there is to talk about it when you walk along the road, like when you're out and about, when you're, when you're in the aisle at HEB, talk about God. When, when, you, when, you are, uh, when you're sitting down at a restaurant and hanging out with a waiter or waitress for a second, talk about God. What is it to, to have that personal testimony? So when you're out and about, when you're going about your daily lives, you would talk about God. It also kind of lays out this, this presentation to the world in verse uh, 9. It says, write them, write these ordinances, write this fact that God is your God, God alone, and that you will love him. Write it on your door frames, the door frames of your houses, and write it on your gates. Some of us will get that internal doorframe reference and, and we put crosses up in our homes or pictures of our baptisms on our, uh, in, in, our, in our collages of our pictures. There are ways in which we acknowledge our faith there in our homes. But what would it also be to have that outward-facing presence right on your gates? How do we live that out today where we could present to everyone that would see us or come in contact with us that we are devoted to God, to God alone. These are the three don't forget me principles from God. Tools. Talk about your relationship with God. Have personal reminders set up and have that personal kind of outward facing testimony to the world. But I hear again verse 12, and it just wrecks me that God feels, has the need to say, be careful to not forget me. I've walked with so many of you over the course of these last years as you have had parents who've experienced dementia of one form or another and you've journeyed with parents or grandparents who have no longer had the cognitive capacity to remember so much of their life of who they are and where they are I remember when I was pastoring in Bryan College Station a couple Holly and Betty Reese Holly had been caring for his wife Betty when I arrived in Bryan Texas for seven years and by the time I moved it was 12 years he cared for her when she had severe Alzheimer's I remember going to his house in that 12th year and Holly reminded me as though I needed reminding because I had visited him very very often he reminded me he said you know Betty she might not know who I am or who you are or where we are in this moment at this time, but she, she will never forget the Lord. 
And so there in those spaces, those tender moments, the three of us together would sing Amazing Grace. She didn't remember her husband's name, but she knew that God's grace is amazing. And we would recite the Lord's Prayer. And she still knew the words of the Lord's Prayer because they had been written on her heart. And we would profess the faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. There's something about those tender spaces of connection that runs so deep. May it be so for you and for me, for all of us, that we would never forget the Lord our God, who we love. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, loving God, God of all power and might, of wonder and majesty, you are worthy of our honor and praise. We worship you, O God, who was and is and is to come. Lord, we join with the the chorus of the heavenly host in declaring your praise and acknowledging your majesty. And we pray, O God, in this space and time that that we would be so bound up with your Holy Spirit that we would never forget you, that we would honor you all our days, this day and every day that follows. For you are God and we are not, and you are worthy of our love and praise. We lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.